Hello and welcome to the course. I'm your host today, Lee, and I'm speaking with Assistant Professor Catherine Takavidwa from the Department of Anthropology. Professor Takavidwa is a social and cultural anthropologist. Her research centers on policing, citizenship, migration, and mobility, governance, and the state in Southern Africa. She's here to talk to us about her career path and how she became a University of Chicago professor. So, Catherine, can you give me an overview of your career path? Let's start in your undergraduate college years, all the way to becoming a professor at the University of Chicago. So, I did my undergrad at Yale. I did a double major in anthropology and African studies. And then I when I finished, I uh, I worked in New Haven for a few months and then went to move to South Africa to do a master's in forced migration studies at the University of the Witwatersrand in Johannesburg. When I graduated, I worked actually there. So the, the place was called the African Center for Migration and Society. I worked there for a year and a half. So I lived in South Africa for two and a half years. And then when I finished my master's and had been working for about a year, I realized I really wanted to do a PhD and applied to U.S. universities and moved back to the United States to do a PhD in anthropology at Stanford. And when I finished my PhD in anthro, I was fortunate to be hired by the University of Chicago. But in actual fact, my journey, so it doesn't actually start at Yale. I was born and raised in Zimbabwe. So I did, I went to school in Zimbabwe. My first classroom experiences, my first teachers were in my, the formative part of my education took place there from primary school through to high school. So I only came to the U.S. when I was 19 to go to Yale. Wow. So tell me about what you were like as a child in Zimbabwe and also what you thought you were going to be when you grew up. When I was a child, I, uh, I was that student who sat right in the front and raised my hand every at every single question that the teachers asked. I think there there were some unflattering terms for this, but no, I I loved I loved to learn. I loved to read. I was interested in in so many things. Mathematics was my favorite subject, and I wanted to be a doctor. And then I decided I wanted to be a lawyer and then I wanted to be a, an accountant and I wanted to, to be anything and everything. I actually didn't know anything about anthropology. I had never heard of it until I was in an anthro class at Yale. When I was in primary school, Zimbabwe was great. At least as a child, it seemed like everything was fine politically, economically. I was a child in the 80s and 90s. And then when I was in high school now in the 2000s, we experienced unprecedented economic turmoil. We had the highest non-wartime inflation in the history of the recorded world in 2008. And I guess now looking back, living through all of that, I was constantly wondering what was going on and how it was that the people who were governing the country 
were thinking about what they were doing and were thinking about how ordinary people were living their lives. At that time, because I didn't know what anthropology was, I didn't know that these were the kinds of questions that an anthropologist could ask. All I knew was that I was living through it with my fellow citizens. And so now looking back, I can imagine that some of the seeds of my research interests were planted at that time. Yeah. So, Catherine, tell me then about your research interests. And if you could explain it to me like I'm a sophomore in high school, that would be wonderful. So I study governance and policing in Zimbabwe. I'm interested in understanding how ordinary people like you and me, and when I say ordinary people, I mean not high-ranking state officials. I'm interested in understanding how ordinary people make sense of themselves as governed subjects. What does it mean to be a person who is in a formal relationship with the state? And I study this through policing. I study it specifically within a five-year period in Zimbabwe, 2012 to 2017, during which the Zimbabwean government dispatched police officers to mount roadblocks like police checkpoints on roads throughout the country. And police officers were engaged in this intensive period of policing where everyday things like going to the store or going to school, going to work, entailed being pulled over by the police multiple times. And this could take hours, just go through a series and series and series of checks. And so in my research, I, I ask what the people involved in the exchange, the police officer and the person that they are policing, how they understand that frictive encounter between the two of them. What does each person think they're doing? when they are arguing or paying a bribe, eliciting a bribe, negotiating. As people come together every day on the streets of Zimbabwe, police officer and non-police fellow citizen, how does the, the friction between the two of them and the broader society, how does it help us to understand contemporary citizenship? So this is that's what I study. So Catherine, I'm curious then, how and when did you realize that the lived experience of governance and through the lens of policing was something that you wanted to focus your research on? I think this traces back actually to an internship that I conducted back when I was an undergrad. And this might be interesting, actually, to undergraduate students who are trying to figure out you know, what am I going to major in? What am I going to do the rest of my life? That inspiration can come in the most unexpected moment. So when I was an undergrad, I did an internship at the Zimbabwe-South Africa border in Baitbridge border posts area with the International Organization for Migration, IOM. And I had also one of those, uh, I had a summer research grant from Yale. And when I was at the border, the things that I saw as Zimbabweans were being deported every day by the South African government got me interested in understanding that lived experience of policing, whether it's in the context of migration, particularly in the context of migration, but whether it's when a person is interacting with a, with a police officer in the country of their citizenship or as an 
as a foreigner. I know that pursuing a PhD and also pursuing a career in academia is certainly not the easiest path for anyone to follow. Did you encounter any resistance or what were the big challenges that you had to overcome, if any? I can remember it took me a while to tell my parents that I was majoring in anthropology and was not actually trying to become a cardiothoracic surgeon because I as an African student, as a Zimbabwean student, it made sense for me to try to become a doctor. I was actually pre-med for the longest time. But I think the real points, the real actual challenges that I faced, my, my family is very supportive. The real challenges that I faced were around being so far from home and being a very low income student. So I was, I was first generation, very low income. And just trying to, you know, simple things like if a book that's assigned for a class is not available at the library, it wasn't a simple thing to just go buy the book. I think that was probably the biggest, yeah, that was probably the biggest challenge. And, and also figuring out that cultural space, because university can be a certain kind of cultural space too. Learning the norms, how to speak up in class, how to be understood with an accent, those kinds of things. So where did you find support to, you know, move forward in this path? And I'm thinking particularly like as a lower income, as a first generation, as an international student, where did that support come from? My family, my parents, my siblings, we would talk on the phone often, go and buy a phone card. Students, many students today might not know of these phone cards that were like you would buy a phone card and actually type in a code to call on a landline. But I also had really great advisors. My, there were two professors at Yale when I was doing my undergrad who were amazing anthropologists, Bonnie Bates, who is now late, and Eric Warby, who's actually now in South Africa. And my doctoral advisors during the PhD, like Jim Ferguson and the members of my committee. So I had really great professors who were fantastic. And there were other people along the way who were amazing. The, the director of like the Office of International Students and Kuhlman. And I was part of a program called the United States Student Achievers Program that's run by Rebecca Mano. And my um, fellow students and friends who were also international students were also incredible source of support and community. So why did you want to become a professor, an academic? I know, you know, I understand why you might not want to become a surgeon or a doctor, but why this specific profession? So the funny thing is that I never wanted to become a professor. I think, And it's because I didn't really know what it meant, what it entailed. It was not until the last year of my PhD when I, if you're doing a PhD, you do research, you do independent research, you actually con you design it, you conduct it, you analyze your findings, you write up the work. And in anthropology, your dissertation ends up really being like an, the first draft of your book. And the experience of doing that, so at the end of the PhD, I had now had the experience of, of seeing what it looked like to just really focus on research and work on a problem. And it was incredible. It was exhilarating to sit and write and analyze the material that I, that my research had sort of produced. 
that combined with the experience of teaching my own classes, figuring out what it was that I wanted students to read, what to assign, how to foster a conversation around a set of texts. And little did I know that those were two key parts of actually being a professor. And so, yes, yeah, so I, I realized right at the end of the PhD that I that this was the very best thing for me that combined all my interests and that allowed me to, this job is, it's this work is, it's work in which I feel most like myself. Well, on that note, can you tell me about the most fun parts of the work that you do? Oh, there's so many. The most fun parts. So I love writing. I love finding a really good soundtrack, putting my headphones on, and working with like a small piece of data, analyzing it, unpacking it, untangling it, processing it. I love that part of writing. And I also really love interactions with students, whether this is meeting with students in office hours or it is sitting in the classroom or sitting at a table in the classroom and teaching and when I say teaching, I don't actually mean the part where I'm standing and I'm sort of professing as a professor. When students are engaged and are discussing something prickly and their faces light up and they are disagreeing with each other or are like really engaged, I, I love those moments in the classroom. Well, on the flip side of that, what don't you like about this job? <laughs> what don't I like? Email. <laughs> there are a lot of emails. There are a lot of emails, uh, but it's unavoidable. It's an efficient and effective mode of communication. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably the only thing. I can relate to that as someone who has a, a, a very full inbox <laughs> a lot of the time. <laughs> I think a lot of people can relate to that. Catherine, where do you find inspiration in the work that you do? Because it it strikes me that, you know, this kind of work, you have to be pretty self-motivated. So where do you find that motivation and that inspiration to continue to study and investigate and question? I'm genuinely interested in the questions that my research asks. And I'm so when I'm when I when I'm sitting down to work, I myself am trying to work something out, if that makes any sense. I'm in search of an answer to a question. And it's also, it's a real privilege to be able to do research as a Zimbabwean, to do research in Zimbabwe and try to ask questions around citizenship from my fellow citizens. And so one of the things that motivates me is that I hope that I will be part of a generation of Zimbabwean scholars, African women who who do meaningful work, not just in anthropology, but in the social sciences more broadly. So I feel like I'm part of something bigger than myself. It'll be, when, I, when my work gets published, it'll be up to people as they read it to figure out for themselves if there's anything productive that's coming, that's coming out of it for them. But then the very fact of being able to be part of this pursuit is a privilege. That motivates me. Well, I want to ask you, you know, what is it like to be, you know, an African woman and an anthropologist today? I know that's a big question, but I'm just curious, 
you know, what that experience is like. And if, and if you feel a sense of responsibility in any way. Oh, it is a big question. It is a big question. Oh, that's a very, it's a great question too. It's hard to answer the question because, because it's all that I am. So I've never been anything else. So I don't, do you know what I mean? Like I, I don't know. I can't imagine moving through my life or through this world in any other way. So it just feels normal to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah. So I am curious then, what would be your advice for students who are considering entering anthropology, who are considering academia as a career? And I'm thinking particularly about students from Africa or students from other places in the world and they're pursuing this in the U.S., you know, what would your advice be for them drawing from your own lived experience? I would say that if if students are interested in in doing serious research and are interested in the kind of research that centers around people, meaning making, and if they have an opportunity to, I would say if you have an opportunity to take an anthropology class, please take the class. Take a class and see how incredible this this discipline is. And if you are able to get a chance to work on a research project, that can be really helpful for you in deciding whether you want to major in anthropology or minor in anthropology. Our department here actually now, we have both a major in anthro and a minor. Also, it's it's possible to work on professor's research projects so I myself often work with one or two undergrads as RAs. And those kinds of experiences can give you really great insights into the field itself, the discipline itself. For students who are trying to figure out what is this thing called academia and is it the right, is it the right place and space for you? What I can tell you is that I wasn't sure the reason it took me so long to decide to to apply to academic jobs and and to pursue this career is that I really wasn't sure if academia was a space that had space for someone like me, that had space for me. And I have been so pleasantly surprised in my experiences here and my experiences on my particular journey. I found that if you have a great community and you are you are excited about the work that you're doing that it can be quite uh it can be quite thrilling and it's i think also perhaps the hardest part might actually be for students who already know that this is what they want to do but are worried about making the decision to actually do it and my advice for them would be you know it's hard to know what it will feel like to walk along a road unless you actually walk along that road. So if it's possible to take a few steps down the road, maybe you might take the few steps and see if this road is your road. And if not, maybe you can make it your road. Beautiful. I really appreciate that reflection. And then finally, Catherine, what do you find most fulfilling about being a professor in this field? I find it really fulfilling to be able to think with other people, really fulfilling, whether that is thinking with people in class 
in seminar discussions or it is thinking with people through texts in reading a book. If I feel like I'm in conversation with the author of the text or it is whether or it's you know presenting at conferences and giving talks at other universities and giving talks here at the University of Chicago, like at the Race Center, it would, it's really incredible to be able to exchange ideas with others. Thank you, Professor Catherine Takavidwa, for your time today. And course takers, if you enjoyed listening to today's interview, please check out the other ones. Leave us a comment, subscribe, follow, and share this episode with your friends and family. You can find out more about the University of Chicago through uchicago.edu or the university's campus in Hong Kong through uchicago.hk. Stay tuned for more, and thanks for listening.